I talk about this, you know, roll up your sleeves, let go of what's uncontrollable. Don't be the victim, just be in control and set your attitude because it's one of the only things you can control. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Whitby, and today we're joined by Samuel Brenner. Guided by his motto, the harder you work, the luckier you get, Sam is living proof of how determination and ambition lead to incredible outcomes. Sam launched his recruitment agency, CRB Workforce, in 2018 from his apartment. And since then, the business has grown rapidly to a team of 16 people recruiting technology and marketing across multiple sectors throughout the U.S. and beyond. Sam, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Mark. That was a great intro. Okay. I appreciate that. So listen, um, tell me how the story of how you got into recruiting. All right. Um, so it, it's actually kind of interesting. I was, uh, I was in commercial real estate um, for a company called Cushman Wakefield out of Denver. And, and I was working as um, a broker with the top producing team. It was great. It was my first job out of college. Um, and, uh, and I started dating my current, my, my wife, um, at the time, obviously we were dating, she's from Brazil and, and, um, and she had been accepted into a master's program in Barcelona. And, and it was like, you know, are we going to actually be together? Um, you know, she's going to Barcelona and, and I just wasn't feeling overly satisfied with what I was doing. And so, um, one of the main, uh, industries that I was servicing was representing staffing agencies um, in their acquisition of uh, office space. And so I had this kind of strange connection to staffing. And so I up and quit my job. My parents were furious and and thought I was crazy. All my friends thought I was crazy. I moved, I basically retired for a year, year and a half, moved to Barcelona. Um, and so when we decided where we were going to live, uh, after she finished, we moved to Orange County. And um, one of my clients at uh, Cushman Wakefield was this, uh, was my former employer. Um, and he's a staffing agency. And uh, him and I had been talking and and he said, uh, you know, why don't you come try out staffing? And, and I never really believed that you could make a lot of money in the industry. I, it just didn't occur to me. I was used to, you know, commercial real estate, you make big $500,000 million fees, right? The deal takes forever, but they're big fees. And so I didn't believe that recruiting had that potential. And and eventually he convinced me, I, I think I was three or four months into living in Newport Beach. And, and uh, I was honestly, I was just bored. So we agreed to like, I think it was 60 or 90 days. Like if I'm terrible, I'll quit. Uh, and if, you know, if I don't like it, I can quit and no harm, no foul. So I started, you know, I walked into the office day one and, uh, by the end of the first week, I think I was telling my wife, I'm, or I guess still fiance at that point, um, that I, I loved it. It was just, it was insane. I, I was talking to some top billers. I saw how much they were making and I was like, this is, this is great. And I can crush this. So that's kind of how I, I got All right, into amazing. It. How did you like Barcelona? Yeah. Barcelona was probably the best year of my life. I mean, I I've traveled a lot, um, but it was so 
it was such a unique experience living abroad um, for an extended amount of time. Your your whole view of the world of culture changes completely. I, you know, we'd go out to dinner at 9.30 and, you know, and it was just like, it, that doesn't happen here in the U.S. You're in bed. I'm not. Last night, I went to sleep at like 8.45. I put my daughter to <laughs> yeah. sleep and, you know, like I couldn't imagine going out. And so it was just, it was such an experience. I loved awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah, I've been there uh, before. It's a fantastic city. We have clients there as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's a, that's a cool, that's a cool place. And um, yeah, we also have clients in Brazil, actually. Um, yeah. Oh, so yeah? shout out to Fabio and Philip at Find HR um, in, uh, in Brazil. So, so yeah. Uh, where, where in, they're in where Sao in Brazil Paulo. are they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. All right. So listen, so you, you got into recruiting, you realized like what, when you said you were giving yourself 60 to 90 days to kind of decide, am I any good at this? So when did it kind of click that, Hey, I actually like this. I'm good at it. You know, what, what was that? What was that tipping point? Um, that's interesting. I don't know if if I could pin a specific tipping point. I I can I know that the first probably 60 days were really exciting. I loved kind of I I kind of got in doing full desk but pr primarily uh business development yep. on the contract side and and I just I know I remember those first 60 days were just so cool talking to people that actually wanted to talk to you coming from commercial real estate. You're calling on CEOs and CFOs that don't want to talk to you. And, and, um, and I loved the value prop that, you know, that we were offering, you know, people, um, I loved that idea. And so the, the first 60 days were like, kind of like heartwarming. Like I liked what I was doing. Um, and, then I think the biggest tipping point, I guess, for me is after I demonstrated, you know, I'm not an entry level sales guy. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a young kid. I knew what I was doing. I could impact other people. The CEO asked me to move to um, LA and take over his LA office and grow that LA office. So, you know, he moved my wife and I up to LA. Um, this was I, it was in between 60 and 90 days. And, um, and I met with everyone there and, and I ended up letting go of most of the office. I kept one guy who works for me today at CRB. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, but so I started doing business development in that office. We were starting from ground zero. And when I signed our first enterprise client, I think that was another 30 to 45 days from that. Um, that was the tipping point mm. that propelled my career in, in staffing and recruiting. Fantastic. When was this, Sam? Uh, okay. So 2014, mm -hmm. we moved back to the U S. Um, I think I started in September or so, uh, in the Orange County office mm -hmm. in November ish. So maybe July I started November. I moved up to LA. 2014. Okay. 2014. Um, yeah. So then fast forward to 2018, you launched your right. own business. Talk us through like starting up your own recruitment agency, what that was like. 
Yeah. Um, it was exciting and scary at the same time. I totally I, get that. Yep. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was the number one producer at, uh, my former agency and, um, and there was just no way, you know, as the number one producer, our office was crushing it. I wanted to do more. I wanted to help other people, you know, grow their businesses. <clears throat> and, you know, money has never been my, my major guiding principle. I've always been able to make a lot, but, um, you know, I just wanted to help other people make more money. And so, um, you know, the biggest fear for me was that I wasn't going to be able to replicate what I had done. And then I was going to fail and miss out, you know, having left my entire team um, and, you know, basically just fail into, you know, non-existence and kind of <clears throat> set myself back four and a half years um, that, you know, that was kind of the biggest Totally. I mean, that's no, anyone starting a business goes through that emotional roller coaster, right? Because it yeah. is exciting and terrifying in equal measure. And, but it's that fear yeah. of failure that kind of drives you like, yeah. you know, you can't like just thinking, I cannot let this, that happen. I have to make this work because otherwise it's almost like, well, there's the, obviously there's the financial risk and feeling like you've gone backwards instead of forwards, but it's yeah. also more just like the, embarrassment or the sense of like, yeah, feeling like a failure, like you left a, something, you know, a successful business and then you couldn't make it work, you know, in your own business yeah. and just, yeah, that yeah. would be horrible. So that's kind of in the back of your mind, like, right. Is that, that fear yeah. of failure. Was it exactly? Well, was it me who was successful or was it me as part of the machine? Right. Exactly. You know? And without the machine, I, you know, but it, it was it was cool. The first six months were like wild. It was just grind, grind. I, I was making, I don't know, I was probably doing 10, uh, we call them pre-screens. So talking to candidates, um, 10 a day, I was just like knocking those out. Then I'm making, you know, 150 cold calls. I'm working like crazy. And I get a little bit of momentum. Um, and I, I'm kind of fast forwarding, but I, I hire a guy, I hire at this point, it's probably eight months mm -hmm. in. I've got a team of maybe three, three or four people, and we had moved into an office at this point. And I'm sitting there, and I, and I, I won't bore you with the details, but I get this. Um, I I get notified that I'm about to be sued. Uh oh. And that was the worst day of my life. So wait a sec. So, let's let's just uh, drill down a little bit here. So. When did you do your first deal? Because if you already had two or three people eight months in, then you must have been doing well. That was a fast uh, startup. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, we've, our growth has been wild. Um, not necessarily just in internal people. We've got a big contractor workforce. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did my first deal in, I don't know, 30 to 45 days. I mean, it was it was quick. Awesome. I, you know, I knew, I knew the roadmap. I, I had plenty of customers that, you know, that were reaching out to me, asking me to help. Great. So, yeah. so then you got threatened with a lawsuit. What the, what was that all about? 
<laughs> um, well, I wasn't just threatened. I was okay. sued. Um, and, uh, and that lasted about two and a half years. Oh my gosh. Um, it was, it <laughs> was brutal, but you know, the, the net result is we all signed non-disclosure, non-disparagement agreements. So, you know, like the, the reality is, is obviously I had left and started a new company and, and, you know, they weren't pleased with losing me and they weren't pleased with the competition mm -hmm. and, you know, I get it. And so, um, you know, everyone's happy two and a half. Th this was, I don't even know when it ended, but, um, at the end of it, everyone was happy. Uh, we all moved on with our lives and, you know, I remember maybe six months into it when I felt like the world was over, right? Like they're going to demolish me. I'm going to be bankrupt. You know, they're going to take all my hard earned money from even before them. Um, and, uh, and I think it was my brother or somebody sat me down and he's like, dude, he's like, not one successful person has never been sued. And, and it just hit me. I'm like, all right, this is a rite of passage. And, you know, and I, we got through it. A good reframe. It's good to have uh, supportive people in your, in, in your corner. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a, uh, it sounds like it was a roller coaster. So that was hanging over you for two and a half years. What, so then looking at today, you said you have a big contractor book. How many uh, consultants do you have out working? Yeah, we've got, I, it's either just over or just under. I haven't looked um, this week, but it's 70 ish. Okay, wow. Um, and then yeah. do you guys also do executive search and permanent placements as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we do. We, um, Historically, our revenue has been about 70% uh, contract, 30% direct hire. Mm -hmm. And then um, our volume of transaction has been like 70% direct hire, 30% contract. So we do, you know, long-term, uh, high-paying contract uh, placements. That's the best kind. Um, <laughs> I, I know, right? It, it is. We, we have some really great customers. Um, and and that has been growing. Our direct hire, as you probably know, um, well, maybe you don't uh, and you didn't experience it, but um, our direct hire business this last 12 months has just been demolished mm. and um, and it's been really hard. Okay, I definitely would like to dig into that because, yeah, I'm hearing that from a lot of recruiters, especially in tech, um, that it's, uh, it's, it's hard going at the moment. Um, so let me just make a note that we're going to circle back to that, sure. the, like current market and conditions and that sort of stuff. Uh, when you say long-term high paying consultants, what does that mean? What's long-term look like in your, uh, world? Um, I'd say anything over 12 months, yeah. but you know, we have some customers that have kept people, I, I, I think over four wow, years, fantastic. I mean, it's, you know, that it, it's, it's easy when you have a great customer, they want to work there. The, the consultant contractor is easy, wants to be there. Um, and then, you know, a lot of what we've done, what I've done and the purpose of, you know, 
how I structured our organization was to guarantee that our people, our contractors and internal teams stuck around. Mm. Um, and so like, you know, at the end of the day, no one's going to work for, uh, say, I won't name anyone, but say, a you know, a recruiting agency that treats them like contractors. Right. Okay. Right. They're not going to stick <clears throat> around forever. To say more about that. So what are some of the things that you've done to um, create those relationships with your contractors so they really feel well looked after and they, they want to stick around? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, so when I, that was one of the big issues I had when I was starting uh, CRB that I, that I was coming to CRB with that as a, you know, um, preeminent problem that I wanted to solve um, was that contractor experience. So um, I've iterated this so much over the last five years at this point, but um, our onboarding process is like second to none. I mean, you, you would think we specialize in onboarding. So from the minute they accept an offer with us to the day that they walk on site or remote at this point, um, there, that experience is, is amazing. And, and like, not just anecdotally, like we've implemented, um, you know, kind of a white glove service. We have, uh, great systems, um, for, for onboarding. Uh, we've implemented, uh, amazing benefits, the exact same benefits in, internal employees get external employees get. So it's like 90% healthcare paid, um, they can even get a hundred percent if they if they use our silver plan. But the gold is ninety percent health, dental, vision. We offer that, and that's um, effective on the first of the month following their start date. So if they started today, their benefits would kick in December first, which you know is not typical in recruiting. Four hundred one k we offer that, um, and we do a match. We do a three percent dollar for dollar up to four percent um that's also not really typical if it is it's like you have to be there a year to be eligible ours is on the 91st day um and then you know we have a high i kind of i i don't know when it was but i had this um revelation that like jeff bezos and amazon does things like the absolute best way and they have this like insane focus on the customer. And so, you know, that's kind of our approach mm. with contractors. It's like always hit them up, always figure out what they need. And, um, and, you know, they can't do <clears throat> like, it's like, you, you don't like what showed up on your door from prime. You just ship it back. They take care of it. Right. It's like, and if you need something as a contractor, we will do whatever we can to make sure that you walk away happy. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, I love the philosophy. Tell me about this onboarding though, because like what in practical terms, what does that really look like? Yeah. Um, so our internal uh ops team basically from um the the minute that they sign an offer letter, they're getting a uh email that kind of outlines exactly what the process is gonna be. Um from there, uh they get an email um from our payroll system, we use Paylocity um, and Paylocity that we've, we started on ADP, we went to Paycom and now we're on Paylocity and, and Paylocity was chosen 
uh, for a handful of reasons. One being their integration aspect with all of our other systems, um, which improves that experience, but then two uh, being their onboarding uh, process. And so, you know, they once they start in Paylocity, everything's kind of loaded in there. They fill out what they need to, obviously, standard standard stuff. And then from there, it gets handed off to our benefits administration team, which is a platform called Ease, um, E-A-S-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that helps them. It guides them through the miserable process of electing benefits. Um, and it's an amazing user experience on that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, when they complete benefits, there's a handful of other steps that are all kind of integrated. And that entire onboarding process can go as fast or as slow as they want. If someone's on it, they can be done with onboarding in literally a day. Um, and, you know, if they want to take their time, it can be a week. It does, you know, it's all up to them. Um, but, you know, we've just really tried to maximize the efficiency and efficacy of, of that from the minute they sign that offer to the, to the day they um, start their, their new job. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment? Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system, so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique, while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retain. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. Fantastic. All right. Interesting. Apart from the lawsuit, like what are some of the other setbacks that you experienced kind of leading up to where you are today? Uh, well, I don't know if we have enough time, um, (laughs) to to go over all of them, but, um, I think another big setback I've had is like, is hiring, um, uh, well, I should say letting go of people that are not Mm -hmm. the right fit. Um, I have this, you know, I love people. It's, uh, I, I'm an introvert and I don't like talking to people in general, but I have like a deep sense of love um, for for people. And so I I tend to keep people around for too long. I, you know, I, I just believe that they can change or they can get better. Um, and so I've had a handful of, you know, uh, issues, not issues, but I've had a handful of fails over time with, you know, bringing someone in who had all the right, the right attitude, the right effort, 
And then it wasn't clicking. I could see they were unhappy, but I just kept giving them opportunity. And yeah, I probably kept them around for maybe six, eight months too long. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been a big learning experience <clears throat> for me. Do you know what? That's so common among the clients that we work with is we do tend to work with people who are not ruthless in business. They're, they they love people and they they... They want to try and develop people, right? And then, yeah. you know, which I I think is a good overall is gonna serve you more than the opposite, right? But yeah. but the 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 uh downside is you you can hold on to people for for too long. Um what what have you how have you adapted either your leadership style or your decision making or your systems in order to uh, address that and either, you know, support people in performing to their potential or recognize that it's not working earlier. Have you, have you changed anything? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it depends on who you ask. I think there's, you know, maybe some people that would say I haven't changed a bunch, uh, and I'm, I'm still a softy, but like what I've done, knowing that that's one of my weaknesses, um, is I I tried to insulate myself a little bit, and and what I'm really good at is motivating and and setting strategy and direction and and all of the things that I enjoy doing. Um, but so so I've tried to insulate myself from having to look at people, look at my team in that capacity, and letting someone else. And take more of an objective view, and and so you know I've hired um, management, I've hired um, you know leadership under me that the team generally reports into, um, and you know I let them. It's a big a big belief of mine is is offering people what we call it's one of our core values, freedom and responsibility, and and part of that it you know it's it's all of the people who who work for me you know, should live that. But also, you know, I, I don't, I try not to meddle in decisions that should be made at the managing director level. If there's a people process, you know, item that they want to make and they want to bring someone in, let someone go, that's their call, right? I can, Mm. I can meddle, but that's not, it shouldn't be my call. And so I give them that freedom and, and they, people generally make the right calls. Fantastic. Well, let's let's dig into that then. Like culture, I know is something that's really important to you. You mentioned values, freedom, responsibility, um, and so you guys are one hundred percent remote, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, and you know this is is really a challenge. You know, it, how do you create culture when people aren't physically, you know? in the same, in the same room, you know? Uh, so how, how have you, how have you solved that puzzle? Oh, it's tough. Um, and it's a puzzle that like, it just decides to throw away random pieces when you're getting close. So I don't know if I've solved it, but I, but I think, um, we go toe to toe for the best, if not one of the best cultures in you know, the staffing industry, um, you, we have a very low attrition rate. Um, 
And, and so the ways that I, when I think about culture and I think about like what makes our culture successful, I, I'd say the things that I do to affect that culture are really maybe four or five key things. The, the first okay. for me is I'm a hundred percent an open book. Um, anyone has any question about the business, about a strategy, um, anyone on the team can call me at any point and ask any question they want. Um, and, and I try to also, um, lead in that conversation and offer that information. Um, and, and I do that because if we were in an office, uh, we would have the opportunity to have those kind of intimate conversations just by passing by each other in the hallway. And if you don't, if I don't push that as something that's important to me, um, then our conversations end up being, you know, tactical every single day. And so I really press that, um, I'm an open book and I, and I'm reaching out to people and having those, you know, conversations that you wouldn't normally have with a day-to-day, uh, employee. And, and, um, so that's kind of one that sets the premise. Um, the second biggest one for me is, um, is trust, you know, being remote, who knows what people do at home. Right. Um, and so, I have a philosophy that I give them a hundred percent trust day one and under no circumstance do I question anything, um, until they break that trust. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's just authentic. I trust you. You say you're doing this, you're doing, I, it doesn't matter. I don't want to check up on you. Um, and if someone wants to go to the store, do something during the day, they're remote. Great. Right. Like get the job done. Um, so, you know, that's kind of second is, is I just, I offer that trust. Um, and then the other big thing is like, you know, I, I try to focus on people that really want my help. Um, Mm -hmm. and I tell everyone being remote can be pretty isolating. Um, yeah. And, and so, I tell everybody that they have to have this philosophy of um, push your way in, don't wait to be pulled in. Um, and and that's- Can you explain re- that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so push your way in, don't wait to be pulled in. Like if, if someone's sitting there struggling or they're unsure of what to do next, maybe they've built a list and they don't know what to do next. If they sit around and they wait for me to call them, or wait for their lead or their managing director to call them, they're going to be waiting all day, right? Like they don't, that it's, we're not in the office. You can't lean over and say, John, can you help me out? Right? Like, mm-hmm. so, so I tell them, push your way in, be proactive. Don't sit around hoping, don't wait to be pulled in. Don't sit around hoping for someone to recognize you need help because it's not going to happen. Um, and, and so with that, um, you know, I, I see that people are proactively reaching out to other people and, and they're jumping on, um, we call them, uh, work sessions, work sesh, um, where, you know, three, four, five different recruiters and salespeople will just jump on a zoom and do their job. Um, but 
be in on a Zoom working together and asking questions and having fun. Um, so, oh, so wait a sec. Let me let me double click on that. So first of all, I get now what you mean by um, push your way, and you're you're saying people need to proactively ask for help because otherwise you won't know that they need support or they need clarity on something, right? So of course that makes sense. It's their responsibility. If they're struggling or if they get stuck, they need to reach out and, and get help. Um, but I love this idea of your, you know, co-working with people remotely. So they dial into Zoom and they're just doing their own thing and and but they're working together, but just not in the same office. Yeah. How, how does so I've heard of this, but I've never really tried it. How is it working for you? Uh, it works great. I mean, it's okay. It it's amazing. And and the key with that is um to to have an agenda and to keep it short. Um and and so what I mean by keep it short is, you know, don't sit on Zoom all day with someone. Um schedule a meeting for an hour, hour and a half, 2 hours and have that block be open and then have an agenda. Like here is what we're going to do together and we're all going to um you know, work on building a new business development list, right? Everyone's doing the same thing. And so if you're, if you see something creative in your process, you bring it up, you kind of, mm. you know, and, and so then other people kind of try it or then someone will jump in and say, Hey, let me show you this. And they'll share their screen. And so it's kind of neat to, to see, you know, to, so you put that agenda in place. Everyone has the same expectation of what they're going to do. Recruiters, maybe they're all going to source on um, on the same role. And so people are trying different bullions and talking about what they just tried. Um, and and so it's a, it's a really neat concept that they they love. That sounds awesome. I like it. It's almost like it's it's focus time as well, right? It's yeah. blocked out and they have to focus in on whatever the agreed you know, uh, activity is that they're going to participate in. I guess it wouldn't really work for phone-based or meeting-based stuff, right? Because that would be- They do noisy. it also. No, they do oh, that do they? too. Yeah. Oh, tell oh, tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, no, they just jump on mm -hmm. on Zoom. Um, mm -hmm. They've got their lists and uh, everyone's making dials. And okay, and if, uh, if someone gets, uh, if, if there's a connect, someone answers- yeah. You know, everyone knows to mute themselves and then everyone listens to this cold call. And it's awesome because you get instant feedback like you would in the office. Um, and and then the other interesting part that uh, that I've seen is by being on Zoom, you have basically a mirror that you can look at. And people look at themselves when they're on video. And of course and, they do. It's funny, isn't it? Right, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I, I have to block my uh my window. Uh otherwise I just look at myself and it's like, you know, I try not to, but you know, you do it. Um, so I block mine, like I put something mm -hmm. over it. Um, but if you're on a cold call and you're looking at yourself, and and I used to do this back in the day when I was on the book is I'd put a mirror in front yep. of me, a small mirror. If you're doing that, you you tend to smile and you've got, yeah. your, you've got your team looking at you and you're looking at yourself and these cold calls go so well. 
Interesting. So this is new. I've not heard of this, Sam, before. So people are, so on Zoom, how many people are we talking about that might do this together? I'd say at any given time, it's four, maybe okay. maybe five, could be three. Okay. Um, or it could be two, right? You could, could body up two. with someone 100%. and you say, hey, like, let's let's do some business development together tomorrow morning, yep. nine to 11, we're going to blitz the phone and make Hap a little competition between us or whatever. Yep. So, Happens all the time. So they're unmuted until someone gets a connect and then they're muted. Yep. Like, is that yeah. how it physically works? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then they're listening into each other's calls. I think that's brilliant because that's how we work in an office, right? If you're in, if you're in a pod with four desks, let's say, you're going to hear each other on the phone, right? And you're going to pick up little, you're going to say, hey, I like the way Sam yes. asked that question, or I'm going to use that, or, you know, you're, yeah, that's genius. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually, <clears throat> you know, one of the other points around culture for remote is, is the systems. Like you, okay. you can't operate a remote team and have a good culture if you think that, people are just going to, you know, bang out calls on their cell phone and, you know, go to a meeting once in a while, like, like you would in an office In an office, fine, whatever you're sitting at your desk, you're on your computer, mm -hmm. you don't need a lot, but I constantly invest in different systems that give them more opportunity to, to be engaged. So, you know, our phone system, everyone can hear everyone's calls. You can, everything gets recorded. Um, and we encourage people to listen to other calls. So I'm a sales rep, right? And um, and there's a candidate that gets submitted to me by a recruiter. Well, great, right? You have the resume, you have the write-up, but you weren't in the office. You didn't hear that recruiter talk to that candidate and mm -hmm. so that you miss that element. So all you have to do is go into the candidate record in Bullhorn. There's a link to the recording and you can listen mm -hmm. to the pre-screen and I can, it's probably 50% of the time a uh, sales rep will reach out to the recruiter and be like, hey, in your pre-screen, they said they use Okta, um, but we need someone who scripts with Okta. Can you give them a call mm -hmm. back and ask them if they've done it? And then it, it just, it's amazing. So so phone calls, Fantastic. emails, um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of system uh, investment that we made to make sure that people have access to each other. Can, can you, I love this topic. Can we spend longer on this? Because I think now that the majority of recruiting businesses are remote, at least part of the time, if not fully remote, um, you sound like you've really thought about this and you've been very intentional about creating systems and giving people opportunities to enhance their ability to uh, perform well and actually enjoy their job whilst in a remote culture. So like you gave the example of all the calls recorded and people can listen to each other's calls. That's a brilliant idea. What what other systems have you put in place? Um, yeah, so my absolute favorite system is uh, is a platform called Miro. And I don't, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a it's a collaboration tool. It's online, uh, web-based. Um, and we, so our, our ATS system is Bullhorn and mm -hmm. Bullhorn's great. Um, 
they do a lot of good stuff. But, you know, the biggest issue in being remote that I saw is the board meeting. Um, and you can get on the uh, Zoom call in the morning and everyone talks about what they're working on. But the board meeting in a traditional office, you've got everything up there. You've got all your recs. Who's working on what? You've got the whiteboard and the, you know, the pen. Like that, that's where magic happens. Mm. And, and so I knew I had to replicate that. Um, and so Miro has been what I've used to replicate that. So on Miro, um, it, it took a lot of time to get it to where is was was great. Um but we have this like massive Kanban um, workflow with each open order. Each account manager has their own and, and it's just all broken out really, um, really smooth and, and seamless. And so Miro is one of my favorite. It helps us, you know, have our, um, our rec meetings that we have every day and prioritize. Um, and then we have, so a, wait, yeah. So, okay. So Miro is the technology and it's basically a Kanban board that you move the racks through the, through the process. Right. Um, but then what's, so that's the technology you're using, but what's the process? How do you run those meetings effectively? You said this is a day, is it like a daily standup yeah. basically, or, yeah. and how long do those meetings last? When do they happen? And what's, how, what's the agenda? How do you drive that to make it productive so that it fires people up and doesn't bore people to tears? The age that my daily problem um, <laughs> so basically we, we iterate this all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's another big piece. If anyone is, is listening, um, to what I have to say, who knows, but, um, but yeah, we'll, by the way, we'll, we'll get at least a thousand people listening to this. Oh, cool. Maybe, maybe, uh, 1500, 1800, something like that. Well, hopefully I don't drag you down. I don't, I don't know. No, um, not at all. Yeah. Um, I, I think you have to iterate all the time. We iterate all the time, Ev everything. And maybe we'll go one way and then we go back, but we're constantly iterating. And, and that helps not just find what's the best, but also mm -hmm. because this stuff gets monotonous, right? So to your point, like, how do we make sure people stay engaged? Um, so one is like, we iterate, we change it a lot. Um, but basically the way that it works is everyone jumps on Zoom. Um, it happens at 9 a.m. Pacific. It's called our check-in call. Everyone across the country logs in. We're in every time zone. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, the Central Coast and, and East Coast time zones all have their own kind of check-in um, to the day where they all get on. And it's nothing more than a, than a you know, basically um, walking into the office to, you know, you, when you walk in the office, you don't just like, open your computer, you say hi to your peers. So, yeah, you know, so they have a check-in, like everyone has sat down at their desk and let's acknowledge that we all started working. And, and it's, it's not for me. It's not, it's not a trust thing at all. I don't, yeah, I don't no, no. you know, it's just so they know, like they're not alone. Um, That's cool. We, yeah. we actually do this. We do that over Slack. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're a hundred percent remote as well. Yeah. And yeah, we have uh, in our Slack channel, then people say good morning. They share like what, 
what hours they're working because people work different. Yeah. Different, people, it's flexible so people yeah. can work whatever else they want as long as there's over overlap yeah. when we're collaborating on stuff. But, um, and then when people leave or, you know, are yeah. going for the weekend and yeah, for sure. Because otherwise it feels strange. You're just sitting here yeah. by yourself, right? Exactly. And you might not speak to anyone of your team during the day. So yeah. that is important. So, yeah. okay. So you have to check in in the morning, but then this 9 a.m., uh, yeah. check in, which is the whiteboard meeting. Yeah. So everyone, that? yeah. So okay. everyone logs into zoom. Um, yeah. and then everyone pulls up mm. Miro on Chrome, you know? So, and the cool thing about Miro and, and by the way, it's Miro has thousands of capabilities. We, we use, we use it for five or six other applications on that, you know, page, but the main whiteboard section is a Kanban, but, um, yep. so everyone, you know, is following along and you can see everyone's mouse moving with their name. It's, it's really cool. And so you're on zoom and we basically, um, we basically have it broken down by account manager and we start, uh, with one account manager, they give us, um, any updates, any new orders, any, uh, priorities they have, uh, and what they expect to close this week. And, and we kind of break that down and recruiters are engaged. They're asking questions. Um, and then recruiters, uh, basically lay out where their priorities are going to be based on the account manager's priorities. So recruiter A is going to work on this. And, mm -hmm. and, and so we basically do that for that meeting should only last about 15 minutes. So it's nine to nine fifteen. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then immediately after that, we have a sales breakout room and mm -hmm. a, a recruiting breakout room. So they all understand, lay of the land, what they're working on, who's doing what. And then they go into their breakout rooms um, to talk strategy on how they're going to approach things, any problems. That's another 15-minute open mm -hmm. session. Um, and then after that, so, so it's a 30-minute window. And then after that, if needed, let's say, you know, Neil uh, brings in a brand new role. It's a little complex. He wants to spend some time talking about it with the recruiters. Then Neil will jump into his specific breakout room. Recruiters can jump in and ask questions and get up to speed. Okay, awesome. Yeah. I love it. It sounds like you've got a split desk model where you have yeah. account managers and recruiters. Yeah. Um, is And uh, okay, so that's interesting. So coming back to systems then was our our theme that we're running with here, Sam. Yeah. So uh, theme for building culture, creating engagement, creating collaboration, keeping people like they feel like they're part of something and and they're not just, you know, isolated. What else do, what else do you do there? Um well, I think I think there's two things. One is you have to have a very well, we have a very um very like hard line of what our core values are. And, and we, okay. and I live by those before I even hired anyone. Um, I wrote these down and these are things that have guided me and have helped me be successful. So we have our core values um, and everyone talks about them all the time. If someone does something that aligns with the core value, someone mm -hmm. else will say, dude, that was, you know, awesome. You, you know, pressure, um, you know, pressure is a privilege and, and I can tell you what they, what they are, but, yeah. um, but then the, the second big thing is, um, we, I try to have fun, you know, I, I can be 
the leader, right? And I'm everyone's boss and I can be serious, but I try to have fun and keep people engaged. So our checkout calls, we have a Zoom meeting, uh, not every day, but but generally every day. Fridays are different. Uh, Wednesdays are different. But uh, we have a checkout call based on your time zone. Um, Pacific and Mountain are, are on the same and Central and East Coast are on the same. And like those checkout calls, we if you want to talk about a win that you had, great. But like, mm. we'll get on and play Scribble. Uh, I don't even know. I I just learned what that was recently. But um, <laughs> but like we'll play games. You know, people people somebody leads that meeting each week, so somebody different. There's a rotation, and I think mm-hmm. this week it was um, you know Monday was like, hey, everyone take a picture of their sink. Uh, under their sink, and then we'll guess whose is whose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. It's small things mm-hmm. like that. They're quick meetings, uh, but again, it's just another thing of like when you walking when you walk out of the mm-hmm. office, you're saying bye, right? Like, you know, you, there's no like, okay, I'm done. You know. Exact. You know, my colleague Leanne is brilliant at coming up with ideas like that for our weekly team meetings yeah. just to keep them fresh. And yeah. so people don't, you know, people have to stay engaged and people can't just zone out. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's awesome. So often sometimes they'll be sharing a win, like a personal win or yeah. a work win, but she comes up with lots of other, lots of other stuff. Um, so you've got, we'll talk about values in a sec, but you have your check-in call, you've got your checkout call, you've got your work sesh, any other kind of fixtures in the week where there are opportunities for people to, you know, that, that are building culture while increasing performance? Um, well, I, building culture, yes. Increased performance. I don't know what the direct correlation is, but on, mm-hmm. um, I, I think people like it and they, they enjoy it. Um, one of the other issues I saw is that people would get stuck in their office, their desk chair. And, you know, again, I don't know what other, how other people work. I tend to sit down and not leave my desk. Now, someone may be, you know, lounging on the sofa for a while and I, you know, who knows, but um, I saw that kind of becoming an issue. And so what we Mm -hmm. did is we created um, Wednesday walk day. And so we have a midday call uh, that breaks up the day. It's one o'clock Pacific for the Central and East Coast. It's kind of the end of their day, but everyone takes that meeting on their cell phone and outside walking. And love it. So it's that, <clears throat> you know, we have a different topics each week, um, but it's Wednesday walk day and, and they've loved that. That's an awesome idea. It's funny, but I call, uh, so two of my colleagues, Julie and Leanne, both love walking outside yeah. and they'll often do their meetings together walking. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, so let's get into the values then. And, and by the way, uh, an episode you might be interested in, Sam, I interviewed a fantastic British entrepreneur, technology uh, recruitment agency. His name is Simon LaFosse. I think they've got about 300 team members now. And wow. uh, they, the, I spent quite a lot of time talking to him about values. And one of the things that they do is they have, you know, along with celebrating kind of um, 
financial wins and 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 KPIs and stuff like that. They also celebrate um, values. That's like a category, and but it's voted by your colleagues. So basically, if you see somebody or you know um, experience somebody embodying or living one of the values, then you send an email to the to the email address who it was, which value, and the specifics about what they did. And then those people get recognized and celebrated at the kind of weekly. And then you also, there's like an annual thing based on, you know, the cumulative, how who got the most values points kind of thing. So they really recognize it. And it's also, of course, uh, considered in terms of, you know, promotion and all, all that kind of stuff. I love that. Um, and that actually solves the problem. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to listen to that, but I'll also think about, you know, how we can do that. We, we used a product called Nectar. Um, mm -hmm. it's an employee engagement tool and it, and it was great. I mean, we got a lot of engagement out of it and basically did the same thing. You could recognize people. The problem was that it was a separate system. And mm. it didn't integrate with G, with you know, uh, G Suite or any of our other mm. systems, so yeah. it it was kind of like a second thought. Um, and so I, I like this, but we um, we do a end of year award. Um, one of my good friends who passed away a handful of years ago is this guy Chaz Patterson, and so the award is Chaz Patterson, and he was just like the you know the funniest guy in the room, you know, great guy. Um, but so it's, it's the award goes to the person that embodies our core values all year long. Who's just like bringing it, it from a positivity standpoint, you know, just living the values. So we Amazing. do it yearly, but I love that weekly. Yeah. Like more, more frequently. Cause you're, uh, you're yeah. a long time, right? Yeah. What, um, what are the values then? Um, yeah. So, um, Number one is the power of attitude. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just all about attitude. I just always preach this. Uh, you're, you know, you are the only one that's in control of your output is, is what I say. Um, and then like that definition, if you Google the power of attitude, it's, it's uh, see if I can get this right. Um, our lives are not determined by what happens to us, but how we react to what happens. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, I, I talk about this. I tell him like, you, you know, roll up your sleeves, let go of what's uncontrollable. Don't be the victim. Um, you know, just be, be in control and set your attitude because it's one of the only things you can control. Um, and so it's the power of attitude. Um, feedback is like a, a huge pillar for us. And, and so it's, it's, uh, feedback and it's giving effective feedback, taking feedback. So it's a two-way street. Um, and that's one of the things that I lead with. I, I'm giving people feedback and I'm always asking for feedback. Um, and so if someone sees something they don't like, they don't wallow in it. Tell that person what they did and how they can improve. Maybe it was a bad cold call, right? Like don't just let mm -hmm. them have a bad cold call. Tell them, give that feedback. Um, and, and then, you know, if they, if someone does something great, tell them, um, and you know, so it's, so feedback is huge, always constant communication, transparency on everything. Um, so power of attitude, feedback, um, 
Uh, pressure is a privilege. That's like another big one for me. I What I does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I want people to face the pressure. Um, I want people to run towards their legacy, like not, not away from it. And so like, what does it mean? Um, it means like, it, how, how is every game, you think about an NBA game, how, how is every game winning shot made, right? It's at the buzzer, that pressure is at the max. Um, and if you don't have an opportunity to take that shot under the most insane amount of pressure, you're never going to hit the winning shot. Um, you're just on the bench, right? And mm -hmm. so I tell them when they, when they start getting stressed out and they've got a deal that the candidate is asking for $20,000 more than what we can pay and, and everyone's being a nightmare and, and, and they're just like stressed. I remind them, look, it's a privilege. If, if you're not here, you're not going to close a deal. So it's a privilege. Pressure is a privilege. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then the last awesome. one is uh, freedom mm -hmm. and responsibility. And we kind of mm -hmm. talked about that, but I, you know, I, I just firmly believe that people are the best managers of themselves and we're here, we help them. Uh, we're always available, but it's full on freedom and responsibility, you know, be, be the best boss of yourself. It, you know, it's, uh, there's so many directions we could, we could go from here, Sam, but I'm just conscious of time and I don't want yeah, to go yeah. down a, a, a rabbit hole here. So I promised that we would talk about the current market because we have uh, quite a few clients who are in tech and 2023 has been a, a weird year. What are you, what are you seeing? Because you have a larger team, so you're seeing a bigger cross-section of the market. What are you seeing? And then secondly, how are you adapting? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's tough. This market is, is tough. I mean, I think overall tech, um, you know, the tech sector, at least taking marketing out for a moment. Um, I think we had like a net reduction of two twenty six hundred, you know, open positions. Um, and you know, unemployment, it's like, it's weird because unemployment, uh, uh, in the U S at least is, is super low, but I think mm. for tech and marketing, it's a little arbitrary. I think we're closer to five, 6% where, you know, overall U S unemployment is 3.9. Um, and so I, I think that there's this big disconnect in the industry and the market between what candidates have expected from a compensation standpoint, um, mm -hmm. over the last few years to what companies have the ability to pay and, mm. um, and that's slowly merging and, uh, that will eventually merge and, and, and the market in general will become healthier. People will start accepting jobs. I think there's a big portion of unemployed that are not looking, which doesn't calculate into the unemployment number. Um, mm. and I think once, once that absorption happens, then, you'll see a heavier reliance on recruiters for access to talent. I think right now for direct hire, at least in tech, you know, you can, you can throw a, a job description out there and you'll get 60 open position, 60 open um, candidates. And, yes. and, you know, that's hard, right? I mean, some customers understand, I don't want to review 60. I want to 
pay a fee to have three that are perfect fits, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the exactly. normal value add. But um, but I think there's there's just not an overall need for uh, recruiters, for agency recruiters right now, which is being slowed down by, you know, blockchain, crypto being crippled over the last year, you know, every yep. other industry. And so as that kind of gets back, you'll see it go back. I don't, I don't know. Do you think it'll go back to 2021? I, I don't know. I mean, the overall trend is always upward, right? If you look over a yeah. 10, 20 year period. So yeah, we, no doubt we will, we will get back. But um, in the meantime, it's, it can be painful, right? While yeah. you're grinding yeah. and you're not, you're not getting the re- return. You're getting a lot more rejection. You're getting a lot more like clients saying, Hey, we're not hiring or we can do it ourselves or what have you. So to you, one of your values is the power of attitude. How are you coaching your team to stay positive in the face of, you know, they're and they're they are doing the work, so they may be. I'm assuming anyway, because of course that's a different problem. If people's output isn't sufficient, yeah, the quality or the quantity of their activity isn't enough, then that's a different conversation. But if they are really going for it, that the, they're doing high quality, you know, outreach and you know, in sufficient numbers, but they're still not getting, you know, the 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 orders. How are you coaching them to sort of stay positive? What do you, what's the message that you're telling your team? Well, it's, it's tough. Um, and so I try not to give them empty, um, messaging. I, I try to prove to them that it is possible. Um, Mm -hmm. and so what I try to do is like highlight success from others. So if somebody is struggling and they're doing amazing output and they have a great attitude, all of those things you just described, and someone else is doing the same thing and then they get lucky, um, I demonstrate demonstrate that. I remind them of that. Another thing that I say all the time is the harder you work, the luckier you will get. And- So I just, you know, I, I can try to motivate, but like, I think the best use case is when they see someone get lucky and sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes when, and this happened over the last 12 months, um, it was just kind of, people were getting down and, and starting to believe that they couldn't do it. Um, and not, and not that they couldn't do it, but that it couldn't be done. Um, and, and so I don't run a book any, you know, I haven't run a book for three years. Um, and so I got in, I got my hands dirty and I know, you know, I'm a sales guy and I'm not like a, I'm not like a CEO expert. Like I didn't go to B school, you know, I, I'm just a sales guy at heart. Um, and so I just put that hat back on and, um, and I brought in this fantastic ed tech customer and that was a, you know, three month pursuit. And so that's what I use when people are struggling. It's like, you can do it. You just got to keep going. You got to stay focused. Yeah. You got to iterate. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think 
there is business out there. There's always opportunity. We just need to put ourselves in the best possible position to capture it. Yeah. And, uh, and at the same time, remember that like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We're building networks, building relationships, building our brand so that, you know, when the market, you know, accelerates again, you're there to capture that growth and be the go-to recruiter. And, uh, the only way you can do that is just keep, uh, doing the right, doing the right things day in, day out. Um, I love it. So yeah, Sam, listen, this has been fun. I feel like we could, we could, uh, go on for another hour here, but, um, yeah, I'm glad we did this. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Mark. This was great. Awesome. Have a great day. All right. You too. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. I know how busy recruiters are, so I'm honored that you're investing this time with me each week. I don't take your attention for granted. That's why I'm going all out to deliver value for you here. Real insights you can apply to improve your business. And if you really want to help me to reach a wider audience and impact more people, please consider leaving the show a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave me a review, please reach out and let me know so I can thank you personally. Please hit the subscribe button and I'll see you next time.